Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, that there is power in the name of Jesus. So it's important that we remember to speak his name when we're having a good day, when we're having a not so good day. His name has power. His name has healing. His name has truth. Hallelujah. We're going to go ahead and pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to speak to your people today, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, even in from prayer to praise and worship, Lord God. I just thank you, Lord God, that we are open to hear you. We are open to see you for who you are today, Lord God. See you for the truth of your word, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that your word does have power and we see that power working and moving in our lives, Lord God. We see that power working and moving in our family members and our friends and our loved ones and our coworkers, Lord God. We just thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We magnify you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that there is none like you in all the earth. Hallelujah. We just thank you again for this time of fellowship with you, time of fellowship with our brothers and sisters. We thank you, Lord God, that lives will be changed as a result of your word. So I thank you, Lord, that you will continue to echo your word through my voice. You will continue to echo your word through the way that I treat people, the way that I speak to them, and the way that I love them, because I'm loving them from the overflow of your love that you've given to me. It's in Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. Good morning, y'all. Y'all looking good. Before we get started, you know, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Ashley, and I'm thankful to be here today to share a word of encouragement, and I definitely want to honor some people before I get started. So first and foremost, I give honor to the shepherds of this house, Pastor Benjamin and Pastor Greta Smith. I am so thankful that you trust me with this opportunity. I'm so thankful that you all disciple me, not just on Sundays or Wednesdays. I'm thankful that I see how much you care for your family and also the family of Wesley Chapel. I see how much you pour, I see how much you give, and I see how much you do it out of the kindness of your heart, not because you're looking for anything, not because you're asking for anything, but because you all are true men and women of God. And for that, I honor you, I appreciate you, and I celebrate you, and I thank God for you. So it's my first one. I got through the first one. I also honor, of course, our overseer, Pastor Deborah, Pastor Brian, Pastor Rashid. I thank God for them. I thank God for their word and their lives that they lived before us that has impacted my life. I also give honor to my parents because, you know, if they didn't have me, I wouldn't be here. So I honor them and I honor that they sow seeds at an early age of the word of God. And so I'm forever grateful for that. I also honor my chocolate man, Mr. Wilkerson. He's not here. 
Um, for those of you who do know, he serves at uh, Tampa campus. And I used to say that he serves there, but he's actually employed there um, the past couple years now. So I'm thankful for that. And I appreciate him. I love him. I honor him because he is my support system. He is the one that's encouraging me on and off stage. He's encouraging me whether I'm saying, hey, I'm thinking that I want to do this. He's like, all right, what did God say? And so you all don't get a chance to see him, but he is very much so a part of Wesley Chapel um, because if he's not in agreement, I'm out. Um, and that's how I feel. And so I celebrate him. And yeah, all right. Um, and then lastly, I honor you all today. I thank you all for your love, your support. I have family and friends from other campuses here as well as Wesley Chapel, you know, we are family here. And so I so appreciate every word of encouragement that you all give me, every hug, every, hey girl, every, that shirt was wrinkled the other day. <laughs> y'all keep it real with me. And um, I appreciate that. <laughs> and the people who told me that they here, so they know who they are. Um, and side note, you probably will see a wrinkled shirt from me because I don't really care about ironing. I'm just going to say it like that. But I did receive, and I said I was going to try to do better. So I ironed my jacket today, but then the power cut off. And I say, this one, I don't even fool with the iron like that because you knew that it wasn't even in my heart to do it. But I did. For the people that told me my shirt was wrinkled a couple weeks ago, I did iron the best that I could. And when the power shut off, I was like, well, let's go. Yeah, Miss Janice has my jacket. All right, I think I got everything out. <laughs> so we are good to go. We're going to start with our Bible confession today. This is my Bible. I'm glad I got it up here, but I'll wait. I got a lot of reading today. All right, let's read that together. Ready and read. This is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God-breathed, and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall it forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. We give God a shout of praise for that Bible confession. All right, we good now. Let's get started. I mean, y'all can stand if y'all want to, but we're going to be here not that long, but long enough for y'all to want to see. I give you a minute to, you know, get your Bibles and peppermints and um, if you brought any snacks just don't get caught but I do see you you know I see you with them animal crackers all right so we're gonna have a good time today and I'm excited to get into the word so we are still in our sermon series contend and here at Wesley Chapel, we've approached this message with two mental categories. We have one who expects to win, and we have one who expects to lose. So today, we're going to look at how you contend when the conditions surrounding you depict loss and defeat. So we're going to start talking about contending in a different family dynamic. And we will be in 1 Samuel for a little bit. We're going to park there for a little bit. 
most of this. And our first scripture is going to be 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 9 through 10 in the ERV. So the backstory of Samuel, before we get to verse 9, we have Elkanah, who was married to two women. Say two women. Yeah. Drama for your mama. Um, so he was married to Panina and Hannah, which I'm going to refer to Panina as Mrs. P because her name's a little bit lengthy for me, okay? So... One through eight is talking about how they would go every year to the temple. They would travel to Shiloh and they would worship and offer sacrifice to the Lord and then they would eat a meal. So the difference between Miss P and Hannah was that Miss P had children and Hannah did not. So I coined Miss P as Petty P. So because she had children, she would make an opportunity even at the church, even while they were going to sacrifice and worship to the Lord, to throw that back in Hannah's face. Um, and I'm pretty sure if she was bold enough to do that at church, she definitely was real petty at the house. I feel like, you know, she'd just leave diapers around, be like, oops, that's diapers for my baby, or, you know, can you pick up them bottles for my baby for you? Or, you know, it's Valentine's Day weekend, right? Or we're approaching Valentine's Day. I felt like Miss P would say, since you don't have no children, you know, y'all can go to brunch or lunch on Monday, but. I have husband at nighttime, right? That, that's how I felt. So we pick up at Hannah's prayer, 1 Samuel 1, 9 and 10 in the ERV. So it says, after eating and drinking, Hannah quietly got up and went to pray to the Lord. Eli the priest was sitting on a chair near the door of the Lord's holy building. Hannah was so sad that she cried the whole time she was praying to the Lord. She made a special promise to God and said, Lord, all-powerful, you can see how sad I am. Remember me. Don't forget me. If you will give me a son, I will give him to you. He will be yours his whole life, and as a Nazarite, he will not drink wine or strong drink, and no one will ever cut his hair. So as she's praying this prayer, Eli, the priest, is watching her, and at that time, because of her behavior, she's praying, but there's not, she's, her mouth is moving, but words are not really coming out. So he assumes that she's had a little too much wine. And so she tells Eli the priest, and this is paraphrasing, please read your Bible, um, that she's not drunk, she's just praying. And so we're going to pick up in verse 17. Disclaimer on this. I noticed this week that I've been having a hard time lately saying the word A-S-K-E-D, right? I was practicing at home, and I was like, I'm not saying that. I'm saying something else. So for the sake of this recording, I may spell it out, but if I say something else, I didn't mean to, okay? All right, so picking up at 1 Samuel 1, chapter 17 in the ERV. We're there? All right. Eli answered, go in peace. May the God of Israel give you what you have, A-S-K-E-D, for. I'm not getting in trouble today. And so we skip down. We're still parked in 1 Samuel, right? So Eli told her, go in peace. God will give you what you, A-S-K-E-D. See, I almost said it then. I was talking too fast. I'm going to slow down. So 1 Samuel 1, chapter 20 in the ERV. So it says, by that time, the following year, Hannah had become pregnant and had a son. She named him Samuel. She said, his name is Samuel because I, 
Here we go. A-S-K-E-D, the Lord for him. I'm so serious. I was saying something else, y'all. So I'm not. I'm not doing it today. I'm glad you do, but you might not have me if I say the other (laughs) word. I'm going to have to be by myself on that one. So moving on. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 21 through 23 in the NLT. So it says, the next year, Elkanah and his family went on their annual trip to offer a sacrifice to the Lord and to keep his vow. But Hannah did not go. She told her husband, wait until the boy is weaned. Then I will take him to the tabernacle and leave him there with the Lord permanently. Verse 23 Whatever you think is best, Elkanah agreed, stay here for now and may the Lord help you keep your promise. So she stayed home and nursed the boy until he was weaned. So to give you some perspective on how young Samuel was, of course, we know that she prayed to the Lord and she said, if you give me this child, I will dedicate him back to you. Verse Samuel, Samuel chapter one, verse 22 in the ERV says, when the boy is old enough to eat solid food, I will take him to Shiloh. So I thought that was important because, you know, sometimes we give that baby like the chicken bone when they shouldn't have. And they'd be like, oh, look, he can eat solid food and he's not really supposed to be eating that. Um, So I believe that Hannah stuck to the time frame because she was literally having to give up the son that she asked God for. I said it, but I don't know how it was. All right. A-S-K-E-D. All right. So (laughs) Hannah and her husband, they're going back to the temple to make the sacrifice. This time, Samuel is about to get dropped off and not picked up. And Hannah's talking to Eli. Um, This is before 1 Samuel chapter 1, 27 and 28. This is where we're about to go. So they have Samuel with them. Hannah comes back to the temple. She's like, Eli, do you remember me? He probably was like, I don't know. Come get this baby is is really what she's about to say. So picking back up verse 27 through 28 in the ERV says, I pray for this child and the Lord answered my prayer. He gave me this child and now I give this child to the Lord. He will serve the Lord all his life. Then Hannah left the boy there and worshiped the Lord. So this was Hannah's first and only child. She did end up having more children and you can find that again in your Bible. So moving on, we're in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12 in the Amplified. Y'all give it a couple minutes. Y'all good so far? All right. Peppermint tastes good. It's all right. Okay. So I'll go ahead and read that while they're pulling that up. So it says the sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were worthless, dishonorable, unprincipled men. They did not know nor respect the Lord. And so looking at the definition of how they describe these sons, I found shameful, disgraceful, not acting in accordance with moral principles. So that's an interesting dynamic of Two sons from the priests growing up in the temple, serving the people that are coming to worship the Lord. But the Bible says that they were worthless. <laughs> they were dishonorable and they were unprincipled. And here we see a contrast with Samuel, 
chapter 2, 18, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 18, it says, but Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord. He wore a linen garment like that of a priest. And so in other translations, it talks about um, his mom coming every year and she would make him a priest and it was um, to serve and it was a very nice thing. So the Bible talks about, of course, Eli blessing Hannah. She had more children. But have you ever considered or have you experienced having a mom and dad present, but you only see them once a year or not knowing your parents at all? And so this is an example of an adoption story that we find in the Bible. Or what about this? So the Bible says that Hannah ended up having more children, but can you imagine having siblings that you didn't know? They're outside playing basketball in their Jesus sandals, but you in church all day, every day. So can you imagine Samuel being the talk of the town, much like some of our stories? I can hear the people now just like you've heard those stories. For Hannah, it may have been, you would think they could take care of Samuel, especially since they have all the mother children. Or, I hope Samuel doesn't grow up to be dot, dot, dot. You know, they just got a divorce. You know, sister such and such and her husband had another baby. That's just too many children. You know, She's so tough on her girls, she needs to lighten up. You know, he's too strict on those children. Remember, today it may seem difficult to contend in a seemingly unique environment, but God does not need geographical or family dynamics to get to you. So what is different in your family dynamic that has tried to label you on the side of defeat, or better yet, what have you labeled yourself as a result? Did you accept the same job description that everyone else in your family worked because people said that's all you'll ever be? Or are you willing to accept that in Christ you have the ability to be all and do all according to what he says about you? And that may look similar to someone in your family, but it doesn't have to be. Oftentimes, Accepting what God says about you and walking towards it breaks the mold and ruffles feathers from those you know and love. And so we talked about that last week in the message, that depending on the circle of influence, those words can hurt. At some point in Samuel's life, growing up in this environment, he had to make a choice to contend for what was right. And that's the same thing that we have to do. I'm sure he was told and shown how to handle duties while working in the temple, the wrong way and the right way. Can you imagine or have you experienced having brothers or sisters that you could look up to, but you had nothing to look for when you saw them? The passage didn't say that they treated Samuel bad, but it was very clear that the things that they chose to do went against how God intended for things to be. So the difference for me in my life it was parents divorcing when I was eight, not understanding why and being so sad and at a large part of my life extremely angry that I was leaving everything comfortable that I knew. Adults, parents, aunties, uncles, fathers, mothers, deacons, ushers, people who serve. It's very important 
that what we speak over our children is positive because we don't always know what they're going through. I was labeled as fast, grown by people I loved and looked up to, but they didn't realize I wish I didn't have to grow up so fast. One time when me and my husband were dating, he mentioned something that I, I hadn't noticed. He said that I had the ability to change everything about me based on the setting. And in essence, I found that I was discounting who God made me to be. But when you hear labels like, you're too white, you're too loud, you're so saved, you aren't saved at all and wasn't. Don't talk too much. Please say something. Oh, you said too much. I didn't expect you to say it like that. So the free person that you see before you has fought to get here, and I'm still winning, period. Hallelujah. So we're going to move on and talk about contending based on your age. So we're continuing this discussion by looking at King Josiah. A quick preview of his bloodline, we're not going to go there, is 2 Kings 21 through 20, or 21 and 20 in the ERV, and 2 Kings 22, verses 1 through 2 in the NLT. So his father and grandfather, Ammon and Manasseh, they did not follow the Lord as king. So as a result, when I was reading that passage, I'm like, they were the weakest link. Something that I found as I was reading in First Chronicles was that the difference between Manasseh and Ammon was that Manasseh didn't follow the Lord, but at some point in his life, he repented and turned back to the Lord. The Lord heard his prayer, and then through the rest of his life, he did live to serve God. But his son, of course, having that influence of first father, he continued living the way he wanted to do. And so when Manasseh was king, he was 12 years old. When Ammon was king, he was 22 years old. And so we're going to start at 2 Chronicles 34, verses 1 through 3 in the NLT. And actually, I'm sorry, before I go there, we're going to go to 1 Chronicles 34, 1 through 3. And I'll read that really quickly. It said, Ammon did what the Lord said was wrong, just as his father Manasseh had done. Ammon lived just as the father, as his father had lived. He worshiped and served the same idols his father had worshiped. Ammon left the Lord, the God of his ancestors, and did not live the way the Lord wanted. And so picking up at Josiah's story, we're in 2 Chronicles 34, verses 1 through 3 in the NLT. And they are working on that. So it says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 31 years. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor, David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. During the eighth year of his reign, so he would have been about 16, while he was still young, Josiah began to seek the God of his ancestor, David. Then in the 12th year, he began to purify Judah and Jerusalem, destroying all the pagan shrines, 
the Asherah poles and the carved idols and cast images. So can you imagine today an eight-year-old waking up out of their matching PJs, or in my nephew's case, he's a little, he got a little Wesley Chapel in his heart. He, he likes the finer things in life. So, you know, he loves plush robes. Uh, but can you imagine an eight-year-old waking up and becoming king? And, you know, there were kings in different regions, so the way I thought about becoming a king would be like the governor of Florida. So an eight-year-old, you wake up, you turn on the news, turn on, turn on your phone, and you see just in Josiah, king, governor of the state of Florida. Like, how do we go from lucky charms to signing decrees? How? And so how do we contend for how old we are and what God wants to do with us right now? Have you gotten so used to the backhanded shade of others that you've believed yet another lie? You know, you get instructions to go back to school and you mess around and tell the wrong person. Brother, I hear what you're saying, but how long has it been now since you graduated? Or girl, you sure about that? Mm, not me. You're right. I didn't say it was you. Or the covenant of health being tied to an age. I've heard things like, you're so young, you got it. And I actually don't have anything without the greater one on the inside of me. Plus, y'all know I believe in a good church nap, huh? That, that's, that, that's part of it. So we have to stop saying things like, I'm too old for that. I'm too young for that. Again, use wisdom. Everything isn't for you to do, but if God is asking for you to do this, you have to be ready to follow through. For my grade school, young adults, how are we contending to speak life into them? I've witnessed youth trying to do something positive inside the four walls or in the community, but they get shut down with negative words because it doesn't look like perfect or it doesn't fit the religious mold to the they sitting on the sidelines. They got to stop all that dancing in the church. Listen, the world will take them just as they are. The streets will take them just as they are. The club will take them just as they are. And guess what? Mold them into who they want them to be by feeding them the things that we've said. We have to be just that radical and mold them into who God has said they are by speaking those positive and encouraging words, showing them the importance of having a real relationship with Christ, creating those avenues for them to express their gifts, use their voice, and the most important part, act like what we said. Another odd family dynamic here in this story is that Josiah was raised by a widow. So to those of you who've lost a spouse, those of you who may be listening, who co-parent, or you're a single parent, if God can do it for Josiah, I believe he can do it for your children too. And so the last topic that we're contending for today is the subject of friendships. So we're looking at David and Jonathan. Of course, we've been talking about David. We'll probably be talking about David till Jesus come back, right? It's a lot that's going on with David. Um, a matter of fact, the message from two weeks ago was talking about him. And so we're going to look at the friendship dynamic between him and Jonathan. 
So we pick up at 1 Samuel 18, verse 1 in the NLT. And it says, after David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. Verse 3 says, and Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. So later in the same chapter, I encourage you to read it, um, there's a comparison that was made of how many people David killed versus how many people that Saul killed. And so we pick up in verse 10, the Bible says that a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul and he began to rave in his house like a madman. And so this is when jealousy and attempts to kill David started. Verse 14, it says that the Lord, a part of verse 14 says that the Lord was with David. And so as you read on further, David goes on, he marries Saul's daughter. And even after this, there's a plot to kill David with the help of his own best friend and now his brother-in-law, Jonathan. And that's in 1 Samuel 19 in chapter 1 in the ERV. Here's the thing that I want you to note in this. Jonathan would not speak or participate in Saul's antics. He actually gave David warnings, and I believe that their relationship was deeply rooted in trust. And here's the point that we need to contend for in our relationships. Jonathan didn't let how other people felt about David change the relationship that was orchestrated by God. Proverbs 4 and 21 in the NLT says, my child, don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them, for they will refresh your soul. They are like jewels on a necklace. I mention this scripture because you do need common sense and discernment when navigating relationships and friendships. But sometimes we, we means me, we means you, we've given up on people because their season has shifted in another person's life. David used to be Saul's boy until what God was doing through David got to be too much for him. We've lost friendships, family ties, all because of a disagreement from years ago that no one even remembers. So all you hear is we don't hang out with that side of the family. I don't do them. Are they coming? If so, I'm not coming. Or have we hung on to relationships because of relational ties that are no longer healthy for us? You know, we've been friends for so long, but it doesn't serve any purpose in your life. So, you know, children are my heart, right? There was one particular family member that I did not have the best relationship with growing up. And so they ended up having children. The less mature version of me wanted to not be involved in their lives for the simple matter of unforgiveness in my heart based on something that the children had not done. So I missed out on a lot of moments that could have meant the world to them had I, not been, had I been present. So I can tell you in this instance that I wasn't able to right my wrongs, but another time I can tell you that I needed to heal in order to experience the re restored relationship that I now can witness today. So I ask you, what relationships, conversations have you ignored that are meant to be adjusted? What conversation needs to be had that says, I'm sorry, 
I'm still growing in this area. Will you forgive me? Perhaps the person is no longer here to tell this to. So this isn't a place to leave you to feel regret or void. It's an opportunity to move forward with a better perspective. You know, had Samuel's parents not stuck by their promise, who knows if the same Samuel would have been in position to anoint the same David as king. And if David wasn't using what he had in the wild to defeat the small battles, how could he have confidence to defeat Goliath and so many others? How could he set the standard for trusting and obeying God, even in his imperfections that we all have, that would trickle down to eight-year-old King Josiah? Yes, same bloodline. I say all of this to remind you as a, of a foundational quote in this ministry. You are who you are, where you are. God knows where you come from. God knows what you had or didn't have. He knows what you have or didn't have, don't have now. He knows how old you are. He knows what people have said about you. He knows what you've said about yourself and walked out um, based on what people have said. But what is the truth that is available today that will allow you to keep standing for the days to come? So this was a reminder for me. I don't know if this was already said, but if you find it and say, she didn't say that, okay, that's who said it. Pastor Ben, Pastor Brian, somebody, Pastor Mike, somebody, or it could have been me. But I say that there is a winner in every contender. No matter how different, how unique or unusual your story may be, no matter how many victories, no matter how many defeats, no, no matter how many excuses you've made, again, I say that there is a winner in every contender. So I was reminded in a conversation even about this message from our pastors that Jesus was the ultimate contender. He was constantly labeled by where he came from or who his parents was. You know, they say, how could anything good come from Nazareth? Um, but because of his blood that was sacrificed, it allows us to be the winners that we are. And so that is the end of my message today. But I will say that if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal savior, the Bible says that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if there's anyone here who does not know him and you would like that opportunity, that is available. If there's anyone here that likes to would like to rededicate their life to the Lord and you said, you know what, I have been contending, expecting to lose because of what so many people have said, because of I live in a bad neighborhood, because of my job is not giving out raises and I want to start fresh. I want to remind myself and walk in the winner that's in every contender today. That opportunity is available. So if that's you, please raise your hand. All right, all good to go. And with that being said, do we have any first time visitors here with us today? Everybody's family? We got one, one of my sister friends, Gabby. She's from Tampa campus. She came out to support me. Also, my sister friend, Michelle, she's here from Tampa as well. So I appreciate, appreciate y'all for being here. And it is now time for offering. Can we give the Lord some praise?
So for offering, I don't have a scripture for you, but I was just reminded that offering is a part of praise and worship. Offering is your reverence to him, your appreciation, your gratitude. And so whatever the Lord is asking you to give today, I pray that you are giving with a willing heart. I pray that you are giving excited to give into the kingdom. I know this is an awesome ministry to pour into. Something that I enjoy about RTM is that when we say we're going to do something, we do it. When we say that there's a need, we will fulfill it. And I enjoy giving to that. So it's been a blessing to my life. Um, I set up, it's kind of funny, I told one of my friends, I set up auto pay probably last year. Um, but it's like 11.59.59, RTM sent that email like, thank you for your seat. I'm like, I, ain't, I didn't even book my nail appointment yet. But <laughs> that's the good thing, though. Like, it just come on out. It just come on out. Like, thank you for your seat, sis. Let's go. So, but it's a blessing because, you know, you can be inspired to give at any time. But for me, that works because I'm like, you know what, before I make that nail appointment, before I go eat at the Florida State Fair, I gave my offering. And if I want to give another offering, I can go on Cash App. I can go online. But 11.59.59, RTM said, thank you, sis. So they got me already on Friday, right? All right. And we are going to give, do our offering confession. We can read that together. Ready and read. God, we lift our voices and praise you with the fruit of our lips. You have given us seed to sow, and for that we praise you. My giving flows from a willing heart, not a religious duty. The more I sow in obedience to you, the more seed you place in my hands, and for that I praise you. You bless the resources I invest and spring forth an abundant harvest from my obedience. And for that, I give you praise. Thank you for giving me seed to sow. And I now place my seed in your more than capable hands in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So can we give the Lord a shout of praise? Hallelujah. 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 Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the Word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.